Why to homestand, John. Uh, we're going to talk about the Timberwolves' sudden bout of prosperity, of uh, of competence, of maybe something much more than competence here on the John Krasinski Show. For John covers the Timberwolves for The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our longtime producer. We're going to get into everything that has happened on this homestand, and it's been quite impressive. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. You can also find all of our other shows, including the Viking Update show with myself and John at TalkNorth.com. Again, if you like the show, subscribe. It's the easiest way to listen. It's also free. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, my state farm agent, Tony Hoagland, and Manscaped. Thanks also for Headflyer for putting on so many of our live shows. So let's get into it, John. Um, they beat Miami without Jimmy Butler. They beat the defending champs, and now they've beaten uh, – a 5-0 Celtics team that is extremely talented with Jason Tatum playing at a very high level. Uh, what do you make of all this? You know, it's it's fun to watch, Jim. Yeah. And, and, and I think, like, that is one thing that we could not say very often last season is that this was a fun team to watch. Last season was a grind, and it was up and down and there were some certainly some bright moments and some cool things that did happen, but by by and large – you just didn't have a whole lot of enjoyment watching this team play basketball for most of last season. And right now, they're just really fun to watch. It's a group that has a real clear identity now. And Chris Finch said it a couple of games ago that you know he really acknowledged that all of last season, they did not have an identity. They were trying to figure it out. They couldn't find something to hang their hats on. And right now, they have hung their hats on defense and they are the number one ranked defense in the league. They face the number one ranked offense in Boston on Monday night and absolutely put the clamps on the Celtics like no team has all season. And so when you have a foundation of defense, the way that the the Timberwolves are building right now, that makes whatever success that they are having feel a little more sustainable if they were just a hot shooting team right now, if they're just you know pouring out a bunch of points, you're waiting for uh, you know them to regress to the mean and 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 for the shots to start clanking and and things to go the wrong direction. But the way that they are guarding people, the way that they are really getting after it with intensity and having success against very very good teams like the Nuggets and Celtics, it's it's really uh, it, it 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 looks like a team that is figuring some things out. Yeah, and I think it's still fair to say that the offense looks clunky at times. Uh, sometimes, even when they succeed, it's because one guy just takes it upon himself to shoot, like Edwards did so often last night and did so with great effect. Uh, even McDaniels, you know, tended to get the ball at the end of the shot clock and either put up a three or break somebody down and get a shot off. And it's great to have those abilities. I actually, I think it's really encouraging that the defense already looks this good. And I, I would just assume between Finch and the available offensive talent, the offense will get better as, as they spend more time together. Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely the assumption, the hope. Um, you know, when you have players as offensively gifted as uh, Anthony Edwards, as Carl uh, Anthony Towns, as Jaden McDaniels is becoming, uh, I, I do think that there is a belief that eventually that uh, will come together, that they will kind of smooth out the wrinkles, that they will get some a little bit more of a sense of spacing and responsibilities and roles that will will help make that happen. Um, 
And yeah, there are, there are periods still where there's a little bit too much ISO ant or, um, you know, or maybe Carl and Rudy are tripping over each other in the paint, uh, things like that. But, but I do think that if there's some sort of optimism to have on that front, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is shooting just horribly. And that is not something that can sustain um, at all. I, I think that of all of the things that you can say about Towns over the years, the one thing that you never, ever had to worry about was him making shots. And just right now, for whatever reason, he's in a real funk. He had a terrible game against the Celtics. Um, but that, you have to figure, is going to even out over the course of the season. And if he starts knocking down threes at a higher rate and 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 putting pressure on the, on the defense that way, that's going to open a lot of things up for this offense that right now it, it it isn't. And right now they're sort of riding Anthony Edwards and he was absolutely sensational against the Celtics, especially in, in overtime and in the fourth quarter. Um, and, but the long-term hope is that they get Towns, Edwards, Gobert, Conley, McDaniels, Nasrid, all of them kind of more playing in a more, more easygoing, free-flowing system and i think the longer they are together the better chance they have of figuring that out so it is very odd to see town struggle offensively do you feel like he has been better defensively this year i mean from yeah it looks to me like he is he's been a lot lot better defensively um you know you know last night he had um let's see here he had seven turnovers he had um uh, he was three for 10 from the field, couldn't make a shot, fouled out. So that it, it was a, just a, a terrible game for him, especially offensively. Um, but from a defensive standpoint, he had 10 rebounds. He did find a way to make things difficult on the Celtics when he was in the game. And over the course of the season now, his numbers defensively when he is on the court, when he's on there with Rudy, when he's on with Nas, they're very, very good. And so I think that his ability to not get exposed uh, while he's guarding small for- or power forwards on the perimeter, um, his ability to stand up and, and, and protect the rim and be a deterrent at the rim at times when he shifts over to center, all of that has been very good. Uh, the problem right now for him is that he does look uncomfortable in his role as an offensive power forward and finding space to operate, figuring out when to drive, when to shoot, um, you know, looking for his offense while also getting others involved, making smart decisions. All of that stuff is just not working out for Carl Anthony Towns right now. And I think that if there is an encouraging part of it, the Timberwolves would say they would much rather have Towns struggle offensively because his history and his resume says that will come around. But defensively, he's been locked in. He's been a big part of what the Wolves have done and why they've had so much success. And so that's a very good thing. But he is in a funk offensively like I have rarely seen in his nine years in the league. Why do you think that is? I think that, uh, you know, I wrote about this um, over the weekend and Chris Finch talked about it. There's the, the bottom line is that 
he it has he was an all NBA type of a center. Um, when he played center, he was quicker than the big centers and able to take them off the dribble, get to the basket. Um, he was uh, he could shoot over the small ball centers uh, from three point range. And I think that just when he's playing the five, he knows exactly where he's going to get his offense. He knows exactly what the Timberwolves need from him from an offensive standpoint. And I think the move to power forward has been a real big adjustment for him. I don't think that he is comfortable right now in um, the role that the Timberwolves need for him. I think he's out there second guessing when it's time to be aggressive, when it's time to look for Rudy or to, to get the ball to Ant. I think that he is hesitating sometimes to take three pointers and when, when he has open looks and that has resulted in just a ghastly percentage. Let me find it right here. His three point percentage this year for who someone who literally is a three point contest winner is one of the best shooting big men of all time. One, just a great shooter in all together. He is shooting. Let me find it here. Gosh darn. I got one of these pop-up ads that I got to get off of here. <laughs> he is, he is shooting. Um, he's shooting 23.5% from three. Like that's wow. it. That's ridiculous. Like it's absolutely not town, not Carl Anthony towns at all. And I think that that, comes not from someone who has suddenly lost the ability to shoot. That's not what's happened at all. What has happened is that he um, is in his head, I think, a little bit in terms of when to pull the trigger, when not to, where to get his shots. And so I think that's messing with his overall rhythm right now. And he just he just can't find it. And uh, against the Celtics, I think he was in foul trouble, barely played in the first half, played a little bit more in the second half, uh, but just just is real, really pressing and not not finding the right rhythm. And he's turned the ball over and he's um, making poor decisions and it's all trickling down to everything uh, that he's got, got going on. He's averaging 16.7 points per game. That's ridiculously low for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, his career PER is 24.3. Very, very good. He's 11.9 right now. Like it's just like wow. all of this stuff is, is just cratered and it's not the Carl Anthony towns that we have seen for so long. So I think he will come around, but there is no question that just right now, uh, he's, he's having trouble, I think, adapting to what the wolves need from him. And they're asking him to adapt a lot. And there's not that many all-star all NBA players, that get asked to change their role as dramatically as Carl Anthony Towns has been asked to. Um, but that's what's happening right now. And he's got to kind of figure some of this out. As you said, one of his strengths was going out to the top, you know, to the top key, a little offset top of the key and either breaking down a defender or shooting over him. I thought last year when he was hurt, the way the offense was functioning, it might be wise to bring him back as 
a corner three-point shooter. Of course, you can drive from the corner, but you put him up in the, in the corner, easiest three-point shot, great three-point shooter, stretch the defense out. I thought that might be the way to go. They didn't do that. I can't say they were wrong. They just didn't do it. Uh, is there any chance that would be a temp, at least temporary solution for him? Just put him out there and let him shoot the three. Yeah, maybe, Jim. I, I think that Finch has been hesitant to do that because I I think that what he he's trying to walk a line here in terms of he wants Towns to be aggressive. He wants him to, because he is so talented offensively, he can do so many things. He can post you up. He can score from the mid-range, from the elbow. Uh, he can hit threes. He can drive at, to the basket and create uh opportunities either for fouls or, or scoring at the rim but so he doesn't want to take away that aggressiveness and just kind of make him a three-point shooter and and just catch and shoot guy but maybe there is something to that maybe he has to um just simplify things right now and 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 think about it that way um and and so it, it there's there's a possibility of you know some sort of adjustments that way just to get him to try and find some of rhythm because i think one of the things that he is working through which is completely understandable is when he drives i think that sometimes there's a feeling that gobert when he's on the block kind of gets in the way a little bit mm -hmm. of his drives and and i think that rudy has to recognize a little bit too that when Towns has a smaller guy on him and is going to the basket, maybe Rudy doesn't crash the boards right away. Maybe he kind of flares out to the corner and no one is going to guard Rudy Gobert in the corner. But if he can even just draw a, a guy away from the basket, even for a split second in the heat of the battle, the defender isn't thinking, oh, that's Rudy Gobert in the corner. The defender's probably thinking, oh, there's a guy in the corner. I got to cheat that way a little bit. Maybe that will just create just a little bit of enough space for Towns to get to the basket and and and, and have a little bit more unfettered lane there. And so I think this is thing. these are things that he's working through with Rudy um, and trying to kind of figure out. And it's been clunky. It's been, um, it's been ugly to watch sometimes, but... Uh, given Carl Anthony Towns' history as an offensive savant, really, I think that there is confidence and optimism that it will come around. I mean, I just look at his numbers this season compared. Like, he's he's shooting 38% from the field as a whole. He's a career 52% shooter. Like, that's it's just not, there's no way that sustains. But I do think that, finding a little more synergy with Gobert and like, and, and figuring out how they can help each other, maybe rather than getting each other's way a little bit is, is going to help open things up for him. More on towns, but more on the rest of maybe the best Timberwolves team in like 20 years. If you want to be an optimist and I kind of am, uh, but first I want to thank our longtime sponsor, TSR injury law, 612 TSR time. That's all you really need to remember. 612 TSR time. You see the ads everywhere. They are able to run all these ads and continue to build their business because they win so many cases. They will not charge you unless they win your case, which is how confident they are they can help you. Uh, they will help you ethically and quickly. Again, they will not charge you unless they win your case. And they are such a great success story because they win a lot of cases. They take great care of their clients. They put up a great fight against the powers that are trying not to get you paid after you get hurt. So just remember, TSR Injury Law 612. 
TSR time. We'll also want to thank my State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland, H-O-A-G-L-U-N-D. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Here's the deal. When you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889 a year. My agency is ready to help you combine home and auto and start saving today. Call 763-421-4900 to start saving. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. Visit allenergysolar.com slash coach for your free solar evaluation. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between, whether we're talking about home, office, work, or, or all of, of the above. Again, find out more about going solar by going to allenergysolar.com. And now John Krasinski's famous, infamous Manscaped ad. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. High tech for low places, Manscaped. AI is cool, but I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. Every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Inside this package, you'll find the star of the show, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Their fifth-generation trimmer features two interchangeable, next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. We also have dual LED spotlights to provide contrast on multiple skin tones, three length-setting combs, and oh, did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? No more wet shaving down, down there? Count me in. This bad boy also features dual LED spotlights to provide contrast. We're talking three length setting combs for all your desired lengths. And oh, it also, you can also take it on the go. Manscaped has you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case, even a travel lock featured to avoid any accidental powering and or weird looks in the airport. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. This is the go bear I expected to see last year. This is the reason I thought last year's team would be, you know, and they ended up having a decent season, but this is the reason I thought they'd have a really good season last year. Uh, you know, we've talked about him before. I just think we need to mention it again. He, he looks like a force defensively and on the boards. And even on a night where he didn't hit his free throws, he was still very valuable. Yeah. I mean, it, it cannot be, overstated the difference in Gobert in November of this year versus November of last season. Um, if you just watch him for five minutes, the way that he is moving physically is the three-time defensive player of the year, Gobert. Last season, coming off of Eurobasket, being a little banged up, not playing in training camp, he was slow, he was sluggish, he was reacting very uh, late to drives. He didn't know when he could depend on his teammates and when he had to do things by himself. And the result was ugly. Um, this season, it's so much different. Uh, you can see, like, last night, Carl um, Anthony Towns 
in transition throws a lob to him and the the thing is just sailing i'm like there's no way rudy gobert is going to get that he got up grabbed it threw it down uh he has been blocking three-point shots he did it twice in the utah game um he is getting out on the perimeter and challenging defenders and really like he's not just being a rim deterrent he's not just being this kind of immovable object um in the paint that that defenses want to avoid but he's getting out on the perimeter and being a pest like he's swarming guys he was he was all over luke cornett uh late in the game against the celtics and forced them to take a timeout because he had nowhere to go with it but beyond the three-point line and so just the activity the energy that he is bringing that way um is a revelation and this is like uh uh, you know, Chris Finch said it like this is the Rudy Gobert that gave the Timberwolves so many problems in Utah over the years. And um, he was not that guy for much of last season. He is that guy now. And the difference is startling and noticeable. He was uh, he went two for 11 from the free throw line last night, which was god awful. But he had 14 points, 12 rebounds, one block. He was deterring Jason Tatum from even going into the paint on several occasions and he was a plus 24 in 41 minutes. He was just invaluable to what they were doing and he's acting like the tone setter now. And this is what they needed to get when you pay such a premium as they did for Rudy Gobert. And if this kind of Rudy Gobert sustains and remains healthy and gives them this kind of uh, production, all of a sudden that trade doesn't look nearly as bad. No, and I will also give Connolly lots of credit for you know I, I was ready to, I was ready for them to get rid of Delo last year, and you know the deal they made was the kind of deal that Timberwolves skeptics could say oh, oh you traded a guy who's shooting the lights out a big you know big guy big combo guard who's scoring like crazy you trade him for an old point guard I mean it was I I, I disagreed with that sentiment but I also understood that sentiment. Conley has been fantastic. He involves Gobert. He knows where and when to pass Gobert the ball. He has leadership skills. He competes on defense. He's smart, hits clutch shots. Uh, man, what a win. Ben, he's just been everything that you could possibly ask for. Um, from the very significant point of getting Gobert to be more involved offensively and to feel more part of this team, which was a problem uh, when when D'Angelo Russell was here, um, to understanding when it was time for him to take his shots and when it's time to look for others, for to to be kind of the adult in the room and settle things down when they're go- when it's going haywire out there, um, just been you know he, he's been fantastic. And you also have to mention that Nikhil Alexander Walker was thrown into that yep. deal as well. Um, he had, was off to a really poor shooting start to this season, but shot the ball well against the Celtics, three for six, hit some big ones, and and is playing really good defense. And so, I mean that that's a it's a tremendous trade. Um, and you know, Mike Conley, I think, has been buoyed by how much the Timberwolves need him. He's thirty six years old, and I, he has talked about this, but you know, he said that he was wondering if he was getting to the point in his career where teams were going to start asking less of him, where they would say, Hey Mike, just, just catch and shoot, 
uh, play just a little bit of defense here and there, be kind of a caretaker for us while, you know, in, in some stretches while we find a young point guard um, who can kind of take over. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what, what you're wondering if it was going to be like in Utah and even when he got here, but he has been so critical and they have needed so much from him that that has really kind of empowered him even more. He feels like a real responsibility and I think that's good for him. So he, he's willing to take big shots. He makes floaters. He makes big threes. Um, he's willing to take ownership of this offense and, uh, and, and get people in the right spots. And it's been a, just a perfect marriage um, f- between player and, and, and franchise right now. And uh, just, just critical to what the, what the wolves are doing out there. Jane McDaniels got to show off some of the skills last night. We know he can shoot the three. We know he has the ability to break people down, but man, that, that was uh, all those skills with composure at clutch moments, uh, you know, that, that was impressive. You know, there was two things that were ultra impressive to me, Jim. One, obviously, uh, he stayed out of foul trouble against mm-hmm. a team that really does put a lot of pressure on you to, to pick up fouls. Jason Tatum is one of the best foul drawers in the league. Jalen Brown is very physical. Drew holiday is very physical. Like those types of players typically get Jaden McDaniels in foul trouble because he is aggressive defensively and can get caught using his hands and reaching and, and trying to make big plays. And he stayed out of foul trouble the whole game. It was critical for the wolves that that happened. Jason Tatum had 32 points. um, So he had a really good game. He was 12 of 22, but he also had six turnovers and Jaden McDaniels played a lot, a big role in that, in just kind of harassing and hounding and making it difficult on him. But Jim, the most important or most impressive thing to me about Jaden's performance against the Celtics was he started the game one for nine from the mm-hmm. field. He could not hit anything. It was clear that the Celtics were trying to load up on Towns and on Edwards and saying, hey, if Jaden McDaniels is going to beat us, we're going to shake their hands, but we're going to get funnel the shots to him and see if he can do it. And he was not doing it. He even missed just a point blank layup. Um, it was really in his head. And after that, I think uh, in the second half in overtime, he was six for eight. He was knocking down huge shots. Um, uh, uh, the, the game tying three with like one minute and 40 seconds to go. Timberwolves down three. Jaden pops it from the corner um, and drills it to tie the game and, sent, and essentially the, the shot that sent it into overtime hit a big pull-up jumper in overtime to give the Wolves a five-point lead. Um, And so he was able to weather that storm mentally and stay with it and ultimately have an incredible two-way performance. And so if that is the kind of player that he becomes, now you have... 22-year-old Anthony Edwards, you have 23-year-old Jaden McDaniels, you have 24-year-old Nas Reed, who is maybe the sixth man of the year. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's just an incredible young core for this team that also is surrounded by heady vets, Conley, Gobert, um, at, at Kyle Anderson, and then you know Townsend is ninth year. So this, this team has all of a sudden a nice, a nice balance if McDaniels really does continue his ascension and becomes the kind of player that 
can be mentally strong enough to just fight through the adversity that he faced against the Celtics and still come through. It was it was really, really impressive by Jaden. No doubt about it. Uh, one more topic today. We'll have lots more week after week after week, all season long. Again, check out TalkNorth.com for all the other shows. Thanks to all of our sponsors and all of our listeners here at the John Krasinski Show. I think this year is going to be a blast. Uh, what's going on at backup point guard at the moment? Yeah, so um, they are... It's it's sort of a backup point guard by committee. Um, Shake Milton is, is is not playing very well, struggling a little bit, and so um, you know Chris Finch remains really confident in him, but um, he has not been sort of the catalyst that they really were expecting him to be, and the guy that he looked like in the preseason, who played very well in the preseason, he just hasn't hasn't quite gotten things going that way. So really what you're seeing Finch do is sort of adapt on the fly to that aspect and, and, and going with all sorts of different options. Kyle Anderson played a ton of backup point guard last night. Jordan McLaughlin got some minutes um, and hit a couple of huge free throws for them before he uh, had to leave the game with a sore right knee. Um, and and then you have Nikhil Alexander Walker playing a little bit of it. Anthony Edwards plays some of it as well. Um, and so it's just sort of a hodgepodge. It's sort of what can they do uh, in in that moment? Who's got a, something going? Who's in a good rhythm? And and how do you piece it together? They have enough guys who are capable of doing that, but there is no sort of defined backup lead the second unit type of a power for or, uh, of a point guard behind Mike Conley. So that is something that they have to figure out. And I think the ideal thing is that shake Milton kind of gets things going um, and, and, and gets in a rhythm there. Uh, he only played three minutes against the Celtics. I don't, you know, I, I know he wasn't playing well, but I don't know if there was an injury there as well. I got to check on that. Um, but you know, long-term, as you look at what this team needs to do, that is a priority for them is to find that ball handler, whether he's on the roster right now or whether he isn't. Wednesday night, Pelicans should be fun. I'm sure John will be there. I will be there. Uh, again, it's going to be a fun season. This is the perfect podcast to accompany such an interesting season. Uh, check out all of John's work at The Athletic. Of course, we appreciate everybody checks in at the start to be with us. And remember, talknorth.com. We got pretty much everything covered. Best lineup in local sports. So thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. We'll talk to you next week.